Chapter 11. Why don't we turn to Proverbs chapter 11 as we make our way through the Word of God. Proverbs 11. Just as uh, we looked at in chapter 10, the same thing, the, the wise sayings of Solomon. So we're going to look at these wonderful sayings. It's, uh, each verse is actually um, a complete thought. So It's not like we're going to look at two, three, or four, or five verses that are all going to have the same flowing thought. Each verse will have, you know, just one complete thought in it. So we'll be seeing that. But it's practical help. It's practical wisdom for each one of us. And I don't know about you. I've been loving uh, these Proverbs. They've been blessing me so much. I've been thinking about them through the week, and uh, I've been instructed by them. And I've been, you know, as I'm reading you know, through this, I'm just asking, asking the Lord, Lord, I need more wisdom. Give me more wisdom, Lord. And uh, hopefully, you know, through this practical, you know, help that we'll receive here tonight, we'll be able to apply these things. One more thing before we get started. Um, on Sunday, we looked at the, the topic of being his disciple. And we looked at how, you know, it's, a disciple is a pupil or one that, that learns. And then also we looked at how a disciple is one that's disciplined. And this kind of goes right with Sunday's message because there's so much practical stuff that we can learn, so much practical stuff we can apply to our lives. And uh, so I pray that it, as it blessed me, I hope and pray that it blesses you. So with that as an introduction, let's dig in. Proverbs 11, verse 1. Verse 1 says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Dishonest scales, an abomination. Basically, an abomination is disgusting, a disgusting thing. It's abhorrent. And what's abhorrent? Right here, dishonest scales. Someone that cheats others. Someone that is going out of their way to take advantage of other people. And the Lord says, it's abhorrent. I hate that. It's an abomination. You know, don't cheat others. So, so we have this exhortation, don't cheat others. It's not good. It's, it's disgusting. And, and God hates that. I remember years ago when the church first started, we had somebody right at the beginning stages. We had someone in the church that would hire, you know, the brothers in the church and all. And when pay time came, when, you know, it was time to get paid, you know, he'd always have an excuse why he wasn't able to pay them. And he would, you know, typically not pay them or he would give them just a small portion of of what they worked for. And, and this was going on for a while. And finally they came to me and said, Joe, what's going on? This guy. And uh, I had to you know, even talk to him about that. I had to ask him, you know, don't hire anybody in the church. We don't, we don't want you to do that. But as I look at this, I, I'm reminded that, that God, is, God hates that when, when you're cheating others. And obviously he doesn't go to the church anymore. But it was a pattern with everybody he hired. It was a pattern. He was cheating them. And I know two of them, even today... They still haven't gotten paid from the guy. He still didn't pay him for the work that they, that they did. And that's what this is talking about, dishonesty. They're, you know, 
dishonest scales. You're, you're going to cheat someone to, to make a gain, and it's never good, and God hates it. But a just weight is his delight. God delights when we're honest, and we do uh, business dealings in an honest way. And he, he's right there, and he's like, I delight in this. I like that. So if you're in business or in the work that you do, be reminded of this. God delights in honesty. You're never going to you know, succeed by, by cheating other people. But know this, and I, I just like the wording of this, how it's worded. It's his delight. You know, it's, the just weight is his delight. He delights in that. In other words, I get a picture of he's just like smiling on that. He delight, he's like, wow, thank you. Thank you for, for doing it you know, my way. Because there's that temptation to cheat. There's that temptation to, you know, save a dollar here or there. But it's not really, it's like in a gray area. And God doesn't delight in that. He delights in honesty and just weights. Verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Pride. God hates pride. It's something that each one of us have to fight. You know, God abhors it. He hates prideful people, people that are prideful. You know, I think of Satan. You know, before he was Satan, he was Lucifer in heaven. And he was one of the, the uh, cherubim, it, it talks about. Um, that he was, a, he was, you know, an angelic being, one of the, the greatest angelic beings. But, but pride lifted him up. You know, he, he said, I will be like the Most High. I will, I will, I will. And in the book of Isaiah, and it's pride that got him cast out of heaven. And we have to watch that because whenever we start getting prideful, we're working on the wrong side of the camp. And we have to keep that in check. But, but it brings shame, it says. It, that word shame means disgrace or even confusion. Do you ever notice that? If you start getting prideful, you'll start to get confused because God's not in on that. His spirit is not there. And so you, it'll bring confusion. It'll bring disgrace. God hates pride. A good cross-reference is Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Another good cross-reference is Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. But with the humble is wisdom. The rest of this uh, verse. With the humble is wisdom. When you humble yourself before the Lord... God gives you wisdom for everyday life. He, he desires to show you the way. He desires to, to give you understanding. So the contrast between pride and humility. Throughout the Bible, it talks about pride and humility. You know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. The integrity of the upright will guide them. I like that. God will guide those that walk with integrity. The word integrity means, uh, it's a combination of innocence and uprightness. Um, doing things that are right, not being devious, not, you know, not cheating others. It's you know, a way of life. And, and with integrity, God will guide you. You know, if you're, if you're not walking in integrity, you know, God's not going to lead you. And, and, you know, when you're walking in his ways, you see in integrity, you know, he'll show you the way. He'll teach you the way. He'll give you the guidance that you need. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. That's pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> you look at that. 
The word perversity means crooked or um, distortion. So if you're, you're acting in a crooked way or you're you know, distorting the truth, you're going to be destroyed. I thought it was interesting, the unfaithful. It's someone that deals deceitfully or covers, you know, covers things up and tries to you know, cover up wrongs in, in, in order to deceive. So you want destruction, you know, walk with perversity, with crookedness. But obviously none of us want that. So that's scary, though. I look at that, I'm like, oh, Lord, may we stay far away from these type of things. May we not walk in a crooked way. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. All the money in the world won't deliver you in the day of wrath, in the day of judgment. You can't offer, go to heaven and offer God, you know, money to get you, you know, to save your soul. It's not going to work. All the money in the world won't save you. And I think there's such a trap in this world. I know, you know, people are caught up in that trap of, you know, just getting, you know, rich and then richer and then making more and more. And they're they're kind of like on a treadmill. I, I was in that trap before I knew the Lord. And I kind of, I look back and I was like a hamster on one of those treadmills. I was like trying to make it. I was just, it was like I wasn't going anywhere. I kept trying to make it and make it. And yeah, I had nice things, but inside there was turmoil. And I think so many people are on that treadmill. They're on that trap where they're, they're trying to really make it and really make it and really make it. And it's just, it's, it's not getting them anywhere. Spiritually, they're dying. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. He said, for what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And then he goes on to say, or what will a man give for exchange for his soul? And do you know there's many people that are, are giving up? You know, they're giving up their soul just for riches and the things of this world. And they're just kind of, they're just giving up their soul. They're saying, I don't care if I go to heaven or not. This, I'm living for today. And that's a shame. Because all the money in the world, when it comes to wrath and judgment, when you stand before your maker, it's not going to do you any good. We all know that. But I like the second part. But righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness delivers from death. Thank you, Lord. The righteousness that we receive from Christ delivers us from eternal death. But also the righteousness we receive from Christ, it, you know, brings, you know, closeness with God. The, the separation, death, separation from man and God, it, it's gone. There's no separation. We have total access to the very throne of God. It delivers us from that spiritual death. We can access the very throne of God anytime we want. Isn't that blows my mind when I think of that. And I wonder how often we take advantage of that. We, we come before the very throne of God. We, we have that access, but do we take advantage of that access? Righteousness delivers us from death. There's no more separation. There's no more separation for each one of us. We, we have full access to the very throne of God. And I think sometimes we can you know, not take advantage of that access that we have. The guys were working on, you know, the... Keith and the other, some of the other guys were working on putting wire. I don't know if you noticed some wires hanging around here. I guess I'll point them out to you. But, uh, but we're, we're getting ready to hang the speakers up, and we're getting ready to you know, put speakers in the back here. So hopefully it'll you know, even sound a little bit nicer and all. But uh, they ran into a little snag. There was a little you know, thing that we had going on here, a little snag. And, and the Lord is, you know, they were showing it to me, and the Lord just impressed on my heart just to pray. 
And we just all stopped and we just started praying. And then, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes later, we, the snag was gone. They, they got through. And I'm reminded that we, have, we always have access before, before the throne of God. And, and sometimes just the big things we bring to the Lord, but sometimes, we, you know, we, the little things we forget to bring to God. I know I do sometimes, and the Lord just recently has been reminding me, Joe, you have full access to my throne. And there's even times that there's, I believe, I don't know if that was a spiritual thing, but there's, there's times that, that you know, there's some spiritual blockage that takes place, and the Lord says, come before me, come before the throne. Because the righteous have access to the throne. There's no more death. There's no more separation for any one of us. We have total access to the very throne of God. So the righteous, we have that access. Verse 5, it says, The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. Summary would be, God will show the righteous the right way to go the first part of this. It, he gives us direction. But the contrast, again, the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. Verse 6, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. I love the word here, will deliver them. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. God delivers us who are righteous. If you're a Christian here today, which I assume probably just about everyone or most of us are Christians, do each one of you know that you have deliverance from Jesus Christ? He delivers us. He doesn't want us to be in bondage. He doesn't want us to be, you know, in a trap. He doesn't want a, a foothold to hold on to us. He, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And each one of us have, again, that access to the very throne. But God has deliverance for each one of us. Even here, as we see in the Old Testament, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them. Well, the righteousness we have as, as Christians today is we have the righteousness of Christ. Greater than the, you know, it's a different type of righteousness as they had back then. Today, we have the very righteousness of Christ imparted to us by faith. And it brings us deliverance. And I, I do believe there's many Christians walking around that they're, they're so bound, they're so, they're so caught up in, in things, and they're so caught up in, in garbage, and the Lord wants to just deliver them and take them out of that. And tonight, you know, as we're looking at this, I, I pray that if there's anyone here that needs deliverance, that needs to be delivered from something, that tonight would be your night to take this verse, and I'm going to give you another couple verses to look at, and you know, take it before the throne and say, Lord, I take you at your word. Please deliver me. Deliver me, God. Deliver me from this. Deliver me from that. Deliver me from whatever, the, whatever it is that, that's, that's holding you back. I pray that tonight would be your night that you are truly delivered from whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be some big, great thing. It could be something that's, you know, whatever. You know. But I pray the Lord would show you and there would be deliverance because we have deliverance. The cross-reference in the New Testament, I want you to look at if you can. Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. And I'll just read it. If you want to turn there, you can. But I'll just go ahead and read Galatians 1, verse 3. Paul the Apostle writing, he said, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us 
from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. It's his will that we're delivered. It's his will that he sets us free from the present evil age. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord opened my eyes to this verse on Saturday for their men's prayer meeting. And I was looking through this and it was like, it was weird, but it was like, I, it was like the first time I've seen it. It's like, I really like that. I, that's a powerful verse to, to really glean off of and to, and to take before the throne of God and say, well, Lord, you said that, you know, you yourself, you bore our sin. You, 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 you know, at the cross, you took my sin away from me that you might deliver us from this present evil age. And that might be for somebody here tonight. And I would say, read through that, pray through that. Ask the Lord to deliver you from this present evil age. And he will. As you turn, you repent, you turn away from your sin. So again, there's deliverance. Back in verse 6 of Proverbs 11. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. But the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And all you need to do is turn away from your unfaithfulness and He'll take you out of that trap that you're caught in. Verse 7. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish. And the hope of the unjust perishes. When a wicked man dies, that expectation, that hope that he had, it's it's gone. Because there's no more hope for him. And there's there's punishment for the wicked. There's eternal hell and and torment for them. and, And there's no hope for them, for the unjust. They perish. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. Is that a powerful verse? I love that verse. It makes me think of Haman in the book of Esther, how he set up those gallows. Remember, he set up the gallows for Mordecai to be hung on the gallows? And he himself, he was, he was hung on the, on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. It, it fits this verse perfectly. And if you want to, you know, get into a more in-depth study of the book of Esther, you know, the, the ladies are going through the book of Esther. You could see my wife after, but I'd encourage you to get involved with that. It's, it's a wonderful uh, study of the book of Esther. But that verse fits perfectly. Again, the righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. He, he delivers the righteous from trouble, but then it, it's turned around. You know, so the schemes that the wicked have against us and the traps that they put out and the lies that they say and the distortion that they have and they take our words and they twist it and they, they try to you know, get us in trouble and, and all this, you know, we're in a battle and that's going to happen. That's part of our walk. The more effective we are for the kingdom of God, the more the enemy is going to come against us and use others against us and, and try to distort things. But... This is so comforting for me to realize, wait a second, what do I have to do? Does it say I need to do something? No. It says that the Lord's going to deliver us. Basically, the righteous is delivered from trouble. We don't have to worry about it. We can trust the Lord will take care of it. That is a powerful verse that we can hold on to. We can trust that the Lord will take care of those that come against us if they're wicked, if they're trying to bring about wicked schemes. Verse 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. A a hypocrite is uh, basically an actor, someone that he's acting or pretending to be something that he's not. And the picture we have here is he's acting and he's saying things to his neighbor, but it's not true. 
and he's trying to destroy his neighbor, and he's, you know, he's, he's pretending. But I believe what it's saying is, but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered, that even if he's trying to destroy his neighbor, if he's trying to, trying to destroy you, through, through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. You don't have to even worry about you know, him trying to destroy you. God will take care of you. God will deliver you. Verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Isn't that the truth? When the wicked perishes. I think of Osama bin Laden and the celebration when he died. You saw on the news, you know, everybody's, you know, celebrating and the excitement and and how true when the wicked perishes. There there's jubilation, there's there's excitement. Think of Hitler when he was, you know, the, the damage he caused and but when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. The blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. I think of, in Proverbs fourteen thirty four. it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I think of, you know, about the you know, voting for the next president, and it's funny, the, we had one of our pastor's meetings, I think it was the last one, and we, we started talking about politics, and it was just like, like, where are we going with this? And it was going around and around. We're talking about this person and that person. We're like, what in the, you know, it wasn't very fruitful, I don't think. It was, but the truth is that the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. And, and when we have righteous leaders in our city, when we have righteous leaders in our states, when we have righteous leaders in Washington, it, it does make a difference. I think of King David, and when King David was walking with the Lord and the blessings that were upon, you know, the city, Jerusalem, and, and Israel, when there was a godly man, and, and God, you know, righteousness does exalt a nation, and as voters, we need to do our best to vote biblically. We need to look at who's godly or who's seeking the Lord, and it's very important Righteousness exalts a nation. When there's someone godly in the city, you know, there's, God's hand is upon it. We need to pray for the elections. Another thing I want to add with that is, no matter who is in office, we need to pray for our leaders. Godly or ungodly, we need to pray for them. I think of Nebuchadnezzar, and I I think of how wicked that man was, but then Daniel prayed for him. Daniel was there in the midst of him, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but guess what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He was changed. And I think we all can, you know, fall in that trap. If, if someone's, you know, in office, they're not godly. We're like, oh, man, you know, Lord. And, and, but I think it's best that no matter who's in office, we need to pray for them. And at this point, when, you know, the elections are going on, we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, give us wisdom. Raise up godly people, Lord. Because righteousness does exalt the nation. And by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. But it's overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. You know, as I look at, before we look at this verse a little closer, I just, as we look through these, I, as I was going through these, I was saying, Lord, show me how these apply to me, Lord. And I pray that tonight, as we're looking at these, you know, we would think, Lord, 
show me how this applies personally to me. What does this mean to me? What, what is this saying to me personally? Because it's so easy to just look at these and say, okay, well, okay, well, I'm not wicked. But, but what about, you know, is there something in there the Lord's trying to show you, is trying to show me? Is there something that he's saying to us? And I think it's good as we look at this and, and not look at it and say, well, you know, I hope so-and-so is listening right now. Lord, what does it say to me? As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing You have been listening to Glory to Glory. Pastor Joe Pettig, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our and praise. The sound of our